0: Welcome to the First Prez podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at wwwfirst presidentorg We're looking this morning at Exodus 20, at the Ten Commandments. So I encourage you to open your own Bible or pull the pew uh, Bible out in front of you, and and uh, toward the very beginning of the Bible you'll find Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. This is an intimate moment where the Lord is speaking with Moses up on Mount Sinai and declaring His law. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for Your Word, the enduring Word of God. We thank you that You speak to us clearly. So that we can know who you are. And we thank you for your grace and your love and mercy that brings us home to you in Jesus Christ. It says, in his name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 20, verses 1 to 3. Hear the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. Amen. Lord of my life, on the afternoon of January 15th, 2009, U.S. Airways Flight 1549 took off from New York's LaGuardia Airport. Less than five minutes later, the plane flew into a flock of Canada geese, disabling both engines at the same time. The co-pilot immediately began working through the sequences to restart the engines, while the captain, Chesley Sullenberger, had a quick decision to make. Certain he could not make it to the next nearest runway, Sully brought the plane down on the surface of the Hudson River. Of the 155 lives on board the plane, many were injured, but all survived. And so Sully was a hero. You remember those pictures? The people on the wings of that plane? That was something. I still don't know how it didn't sink. There it was. Now, Sully was a hero. He was a a savior with a small s. But certainly for those people, he had saved them that day. Now, you've heard that story. Maybe you've seen the movie. You've, t- you've seen it talked about, all this different stuff. But one thing that might surprise you is that not one of, of those passengers, not a single one of them, called Sully later and asked for advice on their marriage. <laughs> not a one. And, and as far as I know, none of them asked him to guide them through parenting or, or advise them on finances. Or, and there were no books that were written on how to, to, to grow your life to become more like Chesley Sullenberger. There, there was no following of, of uh, Sullyans or, or Chesleyans or anything like that, talking about, how do I become Sully, uh, Chesley Sullenberger? There certainly were no chapels built, there were no shrines of devotion to Sully worship. Why? Sully, see he he was their savior that day, but he was not Lord, he was not Lord. Well, we, uh, with Jesus, it's different. We use this language, Lord and Savior, as if to say there are kind of two different categories. There's a Savior Jesus, and there's a Lord Jesus, two different things. Is it possible that Jesus can be your Savior, but somehow he can be your Savior without being your Lord? I remember the first time someone asked me this in a Bible study. They said, Tim, well, Jesus is your Savior, but is he your Lord? It comes from Second Peter three eighteen, which says, "But grow in the grace and knowledge of our. You want to say it together, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen." So today we kick off a new series together. This fall we're going to be talking about Lord. And we're going to ask ourselves, is Jesus my my Savior, Lord of my life? Is he Lord of my life in every aspect and every area of my life? Have I accepted the Lordship of Jesus in my life? And the instrument, the tool that we're going to use to evaluate this question is one of God's greatest gifts to all of us, the Ten Commandments. Following Jesus means following him as Lord. If I don't learn to follow Jesus as Lord, if I'm saved, if we're saved but we don't follow, we fail to follow, we miss out on the life that is truly life. We miss out on the life that Jesus won for us. Jesus came to save us, but that's just the beginning. He came to give us life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus came, you see, so that we would not perish in our sins. That's good, and that's amazing, that's wonderful. We are saved. But then look at what it says. It says, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have eternal life. That's the part that we want to explore. Eternal life starts right now when we look to Jesus, our Savior, and start to follow him as Lord. The Lordship of Jesus is the life we were made for. So why the Ten Commandments? What are the Ten Commandments? Why, why could they be a help? Is, where does this come from? Is God just some kind of nasty cosmic curmudgeon, you know, sitting on the front porch of his house, yelling at the kids not to play in his lawn, just coming up with some, some list of don't do this, don't do this, does he just enjoy uh, making up lists of things for us not to do? No. What is the Ten Commandments? It says this, verses one to three, and God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. See, the people of God, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they they had wound up in Egypt, which is a, a lovely place to be unless you're a slave. And they had gone there on good terms, but over time, the people of God had been relegated to a a servant class and eventually to a slave nation where they were abused and and misused. And they became just a a labor force beaten into submission for the pharaohs and their empire-building ambitions. And so, as many of you know the story, God sent Moses to, to help the people get out of slavery. God sent Moses to release them, and they found freedom, slaves no more. Now they're free. It's called the, the Exodus. In fact, that's the, that's the book that we're studying, Exodus. It means the way out is what it means literally. And so God led these people on this great migration out of slavery. He's he's given them the way out and he leads them out into new freedom. Now, why would God take that same people and then enslave them to some arbitrary set of rules? Why would he go to all that trouble to set them free just to kind of bind them up again with some strange list of do's and don'ts? Does that make any sense at all? No, and so what are the Ten Commandments? Well, the Ten Commandments are not chains to bind us down. The Ten Commandments are guardrails on the highway of life to keep us from tipping off into destruction. They are freedom tools. They are instruments of liberty. Walk in the way of God and you will be free. Every time we break God's law, we think we're headed off into, into free, you know, a, a free kind of life, but actually we're binding ourselves and we find ourselves burdened and bound and beaten up. The Ten Commandments are God's ways. Walk in God's ways and you will know what freedom is but friends we have to say right off the bat in any study of the Ten Commandments we have to quickly acknowledge we're not able to live up to the Ten Commandments in fact as we go through it I don't think we'll be able to say that we could we could knock off a single one of them you know and and when Jesus started to talk about them actually he made that very clear We can't live up to the Ten Commandments. We can't live out the Ten Commandments. What are the Ten Commandments? Well, the first four are how we are meant to relate to God. And then the next six are how we are meant to relate to one another. And and each of these, these tablets of, of our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, they set a standard of perfect holiness. And we will not meet that standard. So... So when you read the Ten Commandments, we read the Ten Commandments for three different purposes. Number one, God gave us the Ten Commandments to restrain wickedness. They're a gift to keep us from hurting one another, or at least discouraging us from doing it. And number two, God gave us the Ten Commandments to reveal holiness to us and to lead us to Christ our Savior. See, when we see what perfect virtue is, when we see what the holiness of God really looks like, we recognize we need help. We need a Savior to redeem us. They lead you to Christ. Third, we read the Ten Commandments, and God gave us the Ten Commandments as a guide for life as an instrument to learn God's way of life, a a matrix to measure our growth and development as Christ followers. It's a guide to knowing God as Lord. So, we're going to run through each one of them, asking the question: what does this tell me? Am I I living into the lordship of God in my life? Am I living into the lordship of Jesus? And it begins with this first question that will guide us all the way through the series: from the first commandment, is God the Lord of your life? Verse 2 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now by the way, we don't make Jesus Lord, you see? We talk, we talk in that language and, and it creates some confusion. I understand why we talk that way. Someone says, you've made Jesus your savior. Are you gonna make Jesus your Lord? But actually, we don't make God anything and we don't make Jesus anything. He is the savior and he is the Lord. And the only question is, are we going to live into the reality of that or are we going to attempt to live out a lie? So God starts right here. Let me make it clear. I am the Lord your God. Not, uh, I would like to be your Lord. Not, I, I surely hope I could convince you to consider making me the Lord. No, no, no. I am the Lord your God. But we're reminded of God's love when we reflect on God's actions. And so he knows right away, let me remind you, I am the Lord your God, but it's his faithfulness that leads us to confident and constant faith. And so he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Remember who I am. Remember what I've done for you. Remember how I've acted towards you. Remember my love for you. You were stuck. You were enslaved. Your life was narrow and painful and purposeless, and I brought you out of all that. I am your Savior. Know now I am your Lord. Do you see? It reminds me of that famous uh, story in in Jesus' ministry when he was with his disciples and he sent his disciples ahead of him to cross a, a big lake. And the disciples were headed out on the water in their boat when a storm came and then they saw Jesus walking toward them on the water. And they were all very scared. But Peter said in Matthew 14, verse 28, he said, "'Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water.'" And he did. Jesus told Peter to come and Peter stepped out of the boat and he walked on the water for just a minute (laughs) and then he he saw what was happening, you know. He looked at the wind and the waves and he saw everything that was happening all around him and suddenly he was clenched in fear and he began to sink down into the water And, and what did he do? He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus saved him. And then it says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Salvation is an instant. Lord, save me. Jesus has the authority and the power to save you. When life is coming at you and you, you feel like you're drowning in what you're struggling in, you're drowning in your sins, and you're fearful that you will perish, Jesus has the authority and the power to save you. You call out to Jesus, you call out to him, call upon his name and be saved, and it's in an instant, and it's for eternal life. I call in the name of the Lord. But when he got back in the boat, when he climbed back in, wet and trembling and unsure of what had just happened what does it say it says that he and everyone in the boat they looked at Jesus and they realized this one is not just a savior this is the son of god and they worshiped him one way of talking about the first commandment is to say that it defines god and god alone as the object of worship he alone is worthy. To be saved takes an instant. Lord, save me. To know him as Lord, it takes a lifetime. John Stott wrote, you can become a Christian in a moment, but not a mature Christian. Christ can enter, cleanse, and forgive you in a matter of seconds. But it will take much longer for your character to be transformed and molded to his will. It takes only a few minutes for a bride and bridegroom to be married, but in the rough and tumble of their home it may take many years for two strong wills to be dovetailed into one. So when we receive Christ, a moment of commitment will lead to a lifetime of adjustment. Are you adjusting to the Savior who is redeemed? your soul, a moment your Savior, a lifetime your Lord. What does it mean to have Jesus as Lord? It's said to be the earliest Christian confession. You know, Christians would say to one another, Jesus is Lord. And it was one of the first phrases that Christians would say to recognize one another and to to commit themselves to the Lord and to confess their faith, Jesus is Lord. And when they said that, of course it meant Jesus is Lord, Caesar is not. It meant Jesus is Lord, Herod is not. It meant Jesus is Lord, the devil is not. But you know what else it meant? It meant Jesus is Lord, I am not. He's Lord of my life. To have a Lord is a different way of life than we usually see and maybe a different way of life than we've been accustomed to living. Having a Savior is, is fairly easy to understand. I need someone to save me. I call out to the Lord and I am saved, but having a Lord is something else. If the Lordship of Jesus is the life we were made for, if I want to live into Jesus not only being my Savior but being my Lord, well, what does that look like? Let me offer you four ideas. Number one, a Lord is one to whom I defer. In every area of my life, I'm asking, Lord, what do you think? What do you want? What do you have for me here? I have my own ideas. I have my own opinions. And frankly, I feel like I can defend just about every one of them. But if I find myself in disagreement with my Lord, well, I... I defer. A Lord is one to whom I defer. And I am actively working to make my opinions and ideas secondary to the ideas and opinions of my Lord. Number two, a Lord is one I trust. I give him my trust. I give him my confidence. He's already my savior. He gave his life for me. I trust him fully with my life. I know he has my best interest at heart. He died for me, and so I I trust him. Think of Peter stepping out of the boat when Jesus calls him forward. That's trust. But think too of him calling out to Jesus when he begins to sink. You see, that's trust. He didn't call back to the boat, hey, guys, send a line, you know? He didn't start thinking about what kind of swimming strokes he was going to use. He looked straight to Jesus again and said, Lord, I'm yours. Save me. A Lord is one whom I trust. Number three, a Lord is one I obey. Like a soldier to a general. Uh, Like a a knight to a king. Like a a football team executing the play the quarterback calls. I don't want to just hear my Lord I want to obey my Lord. My posture is one of joyful and humble obedience. So I want to ask you how much how much of a pause is there in your life between the Lord's prompts and your joyful obedience? It's one way to measure how we're growing as mature Christians. So, Lord, you tell me to do this, I'm going to do it. There's, some have said that happiness is found for the Christian in joyful obedience, in being a walking yes to the Lord, a walking yes to Jesus, and responding to his every prompt like the bows, like the strings of a violin respond to the bow. Are you responsive to your Lord The Lord is the one I lovingly and responsively obey. Finally, number four a Lord is one I represent. If Jesus is my Lord, if I'm his servant, then in one way or another, by cooperating with him, I'm participating in his kingdom. I'm participating in his rule, in his lordship. Kings used to, in the old days, they would send their servants out, their emissaries, their messengers, they would send them out with their seal. They would carry the seal of the sovereign. And what that meant was, I'm carrying the, this king, I represent this king, and what it what the seal said was, if you mess with this guy, you're messing with me. It was the king saying, you don't push that guy around without thinking that I'm coming behind. We carry a different seal. You know, if you have a, if you have a U.S. passport, it says similar kinds of things. That the U.S. government makes certain Claims about who you are and, and, uh, and it says to foreign bodies, if you mess with, with it's actually it's very comforting to read when you're traveling on a plane to a dangerous country. They say this one's mine and I'm going to be advocating for him, for her. Jesus is my Lord and if Jesus is my Lord, I'm a representative of his rule and emissary of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where God is the king. It's where life is lived as God would have it. And it begins in your own heart as you submit yourself to Jesus as Lord and it grows in your own life as the lordship of Jesus takes root and it expands through every part of who you are and soon you find something growing within you, a little branch of the beautiful kingdom of God starts to grow within your heart and it grows stronger and fuller and more beautiful than the kingdoms of stone and steel that we meet in this world. Your life changes an awful lot the moment you see yourself as a representative of the Lord. So, you have a Lord. Here's what we're going to do. As you leave today, I want you to to go outside and you'll find two Lord walls. Lord boards, we're calling them. And did you see these as you're coming in? All over these, these two boards, there's one by the nursery, one down uh, in the plaza. You'll find a sticky note for each week. And this is the one for this week. This is the color you're looking for. And it says, Lord of my life, you shall have no other gods before me. Exodus 20, verse 3. What you're going to do each week is you're going to walk by that Lord board and you're going to pull off the right sticky for this week. Now, actually, we really need you to do this, or we as a staff are going to be up all night long pulling off the, you know, last week's stickies. And so you pull this thing off each week and you take it home and you stick it somewhere that you need to remember, God is Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord of my heart. Whatever it is that, the ch- that is the challenge that week, we want to leave these stickies all around to remind us that we are growing in the Lordship, of understanding the Lordship of Jesus. So take it home, stick it somewhere you need to remember that particular challenge. Just pull it off and, and remember you have a Lord. What are you facing this week? You have a Lord. Some of you are headed to new places. You're you're going back to school. Some college students are headed off for a new semester in a new place. Listen, you have a Lord who goes before you. Some of you kids, you're in your new classrooms with your new teachers, as you were talking with, with, with Matt. You're learning new rules. Listen, you have a Lord who goes before you. He's in your classroom. He's in your life. You don't have to be afraid. Some of you, you're facing medical challenges, illnesses, life-altering diagnoses. Listen now. Don't be afraid. You have a Lord, and He is bigger, and He is more powerful than anything that you face some of you are getting started in the false scheme of things and you're running into this busyness again of everything that has to get done, but at the same time, your family, your marriage maybe is struggling and your household feels like it's not on firm footing, but it's, it's time to rush ahead. Listen now, you have a Lord and he is able to save and he is able to guide and the one who is in you is stronger than he who is in the world. You do not need to be afraid. Hallelujah. You have a Lord, a Lord of your life. He is your Savior. He is your King, and He will guide you. He is yours, and you are His in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you are my Lord, and not only have you saved me, in Jesus. But you have shown me life. I follow you. I thank you for being Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.